observed, as she watched her ex-boyfriend Nate Archibald dancing with Jenny Humphrey, the short and extremely buxom ninth grader for whom Nate had unexplainably ditched Blair only a few weeks ago. But then again, he might have trouble breathing. Luckily, Blair had skipped dinner that night. Otherwise, she would have headed straight for the ladies' room to vomit in disgust. Serena Vander Woodson, Blair's oldest and newest best friend, shook her pale head in response. I don't get it, she said. I have nothing against Jenny, but I always thought you and Nate were, like, the perfect couple. You're totally destined to spend the rest of your lives together. It was a strange thing for Serena to say. After all, she and Nate had lost their virginity together behind Blair's back the summer after 10th grade. If any two people were destined for each other, you'd have thought it would have been them. But, as with every relationship Serena had ever had, her little fling with Nate had been just a spur-of-the-moment affair. Blair and Nate were the real thing, and they'd always been such a reliable fixture, like the doorman in the lobby of Serena's Fifth Avenue apartment building, that it was impossible to fathom what the future might be like without them as a couple. Through them, Serena sampled what it would be like to be a part of a committed relationship, and it was a little scary to see how badly things had turned out. Blair gulped her glass of Cristal champagne thirstily. The two girls were sitting alone at a big, round table, draped in white muslin and black taffeta, in the opulent ballroom at the Sinclair Hotel, where the annual December black-and-white ball was in full swing. Girls in long, strappy black dresses by Versace and Dolce & Gabbana, with white feathers in their hair, were dancing with boys in crisp, black-and-white Tom Ford for Gucci tuxedos, and a gigantic ball made of black-and-white roses hung from the ceiling. Blair was having major déjà vu. Her mother had been married only a month ago to a loud, sweaty, overweight loser named Cyrus Rose, and the wedding reception had taken place in that very same room. The wedding had also taken place on Blair's 17th birthday, the day she'd planned to go all the way with Nate. She'd spent hours grooming herself and had played out every moment of how it was going to be over and over in her head. But then, she'd stumbled upon Nate making out with that little girl in the hotel lobby and realized that in the end, it didn't matter how hot she looked in her espresso-colored Chloe maid-of-honor dress or how dramatic her hair was, or how high her pewter Manolo Blahnik stilettos were. Nate was too busy groping that fuzzy-headed 14-year-old's balloon breasts to even notice. It had been by far the worst birthday Blair had ever had. But she wasn't about to dwell on it. She wasn't like that. Yeah, right. I don't believe in destiny anymore, she told Serena plonking her crystal champagne flute down on the table and nearly breaking its stem. She ran her fingers through her long, dark brown hair, which had been trimmed earlier that day by Antoine, her new favorite hairdresser at the Elizabeth Arden Red Door Salon. Serena laughed and rolled her dark blue eyes. <laughs> then how come you're always saying Yale is your destiny? That's different, Blair insisted. Blair's father had gone to Yale, and Blair had always dreamed of going there, too. She was at the top of her class at Constance Billard and had extracurriculars coming out of her ass, so applying early admission had seemed like an obvious choice. But during her interview, she cracked under pressure and become Blair, drama queen of the silver screen. 
She told her interviewer a heart-wrenching sob story about how her mother had divorced her gay father and was about to marry a man she barely knew, and how she couldn't wait to go to college so she could start a whole new life. And then she'd kissed her interviewer, actually stood on tippy-toes and kissed him on his hollow, stubbly cheek. Blair was always imagining herself as the heroine of some black-and-white 50s movie in the style of Audrey Hepburn, her idol. This time, it had been her downfall. Now she'd been forced to apply to Yale regular admission along with everyone else, and she'd even had to ask her father to donate a Yale study abroad program in France to help give her a leg up. But her chances of getting in were still slim at best. Blair reached for the bottle of crystal, sitting in its silver cooler in the middle of the large, round table, and filled her glass. Destiny is for losers, she said. It's just a lame excuse for letting things happen to you instead of making them happen. If only she knew exactly how to make the things she wanted to happen happen without fucking them up completely. Serena's attention span was shorter than that of a newborn puppy, and she had already drunk way too much wine to have a serious conversation. Let's not talk about the future for once, okay? She said. She lit a cigarette and blew smoke into the air above Blair's head. You know, that blonde kid Aaron's talking to has been totally staring at you for the last ten minutes. She covered her mouth with her long, slender fingers and giggled. <laughs> Oops, here they come. Blair turned around to find her dreadlocked vegan stepbrother, Aaron Rose, and an extremely tall boy with spiky blonde hair and light brown eyes, wearing a fabulously tailored Armani tux, walking over to the table. The boy drummed his long fingers nervously against his super-long legs and looked down at his shiny black Christian Dior dress shoes, as if he was worried about tripping over them or something. Behind the two boys, the dance floor was heaving with gorgeous, gorgeously dressed girls and adorably handsome boys, their arms wound around each other's necks, swaying to a beck song. "'Say something nice to Blair,' Serena told Aaron. "'She's stressing about the future.' Blair rolled her eyes. Who isn't? Aaron's thin red lips curled down in an apologetic frown. He, Blair, and Serena had come to the ball together, and as soon as they'd arrived, Aaron had left the two girls to drink and smoke cigarettes while he went and found his friends. But Blair had been kind of wound up and emotional lately, what with her parents' wedding and her lousy Yale interview and everything. She needed all the moral support she could get. Sorry. Haven't been a very good date. Want to dance or something? Blair ignored him. Did she look like she felt like dancing? She glanced at Aaron's tall, blonde friend. Who are you? The blonde boy grinned. His teeth were even whiter than his shirt. I'm Miles. Miles Ingram. Son of Danny Ingram, the famous restaurant and nightclub owner, proprietor of such hotspots as Gorgon in New York and Trixie in L.A., to name just a few. He's in my class at Bronxdale, Aaron added. We're starting a band. Miles plays the drums. Blair sipped her champagne, waiting for them to say something that wasn't completely boring. Miles grinned at Blair and drummed his fingers on the back of an empty chair. You're much prettier than I thought, he said. He was cute, but the drumming fingers thing could get seriously annoying. Blair didn't smile back. She picked up her drink. 
Aaron had probably told Miles she was a total witch, and he'd expected her to have warts on her nose and a broom up her ass. Not exactly. Aaron just didn't like to talk about his new stepsister, because he wanted to keep her all to himself. But don't get your fishnets in a twist. We'll get to that later. Aaron pushed his dreadlocks behind his ears. And this is Serena, he told Miles. Miles gave Serena's perfectly chiseled face, deep blue eyes, long, lithe body, and fantastic black Gucci dress the once-over. He let his eyes linger on her for a moment. It was hard not to, before turning back to Aaron. It's weird. You didn't say anything about Blair being so beautiful. Aaron shrugged and looked uncomfortable. Sorry. Blair and Serena lit new cigarettes, still waiting for something crazy to happen. Considering the point Blair just made about destiny, it was up to them to make it happen. Aaron cleared his throat. Sure you don't want to dance? He asked Blair again. Blair noticed that he wasn't wearing a bow tie and that his tuxedo shirt was untucked and unbuttoned at the throat. Apparently, he was making a statement. She took a long drag on her cigarette and blew smoke in his face. No thanks. The Beck song ended, and people crowded back to their tables to fill up on booze. My feet are dying, Katie Farkas whined, flinging herself down on a chair opposite Blair and whipping off her heels. Mine are already dead, Isabel Coates chimed in, sinking into the chair next to her. For the past two years, while Serena had been away at Hanover Academy in New Hampshire, Isabel and Katie had been glued to Blair's side. They bought makeup at Sephora together.